what, what, what? It's Saturday because every day is Saturday. That's right. We're going to take a look at retirement. What are people doing? More people are retired right now than any time in history. People don't have jobs and they don't want jobs. We're going to take a look at what that looks like. We're going to talk to people, find out, do they enjoy being retired? Do they enjoy not going to work every day? Do they enjoy things that they're doing outside of work? Are they fulfilled the whole gamut of things we're going to look at? We're going to find out, were they traveling? Do they miss people they used to work with? Do they miss their jobs? That's going to happen right here on this podcast from the Bath Network. That's Bulldog and Friends. I'm the host of this podcast, and that is Every Day is Let's go right now. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. It's Saturday again. I cannot believe another Saturday. Another time to talk a little bit about retirement. Bulldog and friends, this season we're all about every day is Saturday. And Saturday, Saturday, Saturday it is. And we're going to talk retirement because I ain't got no job and I don't want no job. And we're going to talk to one of the greats today. Let me give you a little introduction about who he is. Teacher, administrator, dad, world traveler, one of the most deadly jump shots you've ever seen. And for this purpose, on this podcast, a retired teacher, that's right, you know the family business of the Bullers is teaching, and we got a teacher on here. His name, the great Les Mazan. Les, how you doing? Fantastic. Good to see you and hear you. Yeah, it's great to see you. It's Saturday morning on Retirement Saturday. That's right. It's because every day is Saturday, Les. I wake up and I say, what day is it? I don't care. It might as well be Saturday. What do you think about every day is Saturday? I love it. I love it. It's a choice. That's right. It's, it's a mindset. That, it's, it's a choice that you make with awesome consequences. That's right. So we're going to talk a little bit about Les because he ain't got no job. Though Les does some jobs on the side. We'll talk a little bit about that as we go. But let's first talk about your main op tell us a little bit about your occupation and then what you did how long you did it the whole shamil i'm a graduate of biola university and i had the fortune of falling into a job that i wasn't looking for and so for the first six years of my life i was a youth pastor i wasn't in education and i worked at a church as a result of filling in for someone who got married and uh, i was just a guitar player and then the evolution took place. And so I did that for about six years. And then, be as it may, a couple of twists and turns, I decided to leave the youth ministry and strike out in a different direction. So at the age of 29, I tried sales for a little bit and found out I was a great talker, but I was not a closer. And <laughs> coffee is for closers. That's right. That's right. So, so after a brief stint in trying sales, I basically had to do some soul searching and saying, hey, what parachute do I have? What is my gift? What do I do? And all throughout life, people have told me, brother, you got the gift of gab. And so that's perhaps why youth ministry worked out with me pretty good because I'm a good storyteller. And so the only thing that seemed right there in front of me was teaching. I've been in front of kids all my life, pretty much. And so I went back, got my credential, and uh, did it at, at Biola. And before you know it, 
bam, 27 years in the books go by and I retire six years early. So love that. That's another story in itself, why I retired six years early. Yeah. But in that time, I was a principal for nine years, an AP for 11 years, and a teacher for seven. So right. a lot of different experiences, a lot of different hats to wear. Now, well, let's get a little side note of that. How did you, at whatever time, did you meet Mark Buller? Because that's obviously my brother Mark and you were friends, and then we became friends. And how did you meet Mark Buller? It's interesting. Before I went to Biola University, I was a San Jose State wannabe. I wanted to be there, but just couldn't keep the GPA high enough. <laughs> so eventually they let me go. And in that process, I met some new people at a church I went to, and Mark was one of them. Oh, great. A whole different world opened up to me, and also I got a redirection at that time. And from that point on, we became friends and saw him through graduation. And then I basically mentored him through Pepperdine Law School. <laughs> from a I love it. I love it. All right, let's get back to the jobs, because you don't really, you don't have your career anymore, but you do have some jobs. But what do you miss about your job? You're old, being a principal, being a teacher, being an AP. What do you miss about that? The thing that you miss most for me is the interaction with people. So many different people. At one point in my career, I had 100 teachers. I had 50 classified and then 3,000 students. And so just being around people. So that's one thing you miss, just the interaction with people, never knowing what the day is going to unfold. The next thing I missed is the challenge. Every day was a new challenge, and it was always a battle. Am I going to be in the proactive mind or reactive? So as a leader, as an AP, or even as a teacher, we're dealing with students in the trenches. You had to constantly choose how are you going to react when the things go down that you're not expecting. And I also miss the outcomes because as in education, you can set plans in motion. You can have goals, academic goals. You can see things. If you're a coach, you can move things forward in that area and you miss the outcomes. You miss those little outcomes, but uh, you didn't ask this question, but I want to throw this one in. Throw it in there, baby. Throw it in. One thing I do not miss. I do not miss the politics. Yeah. Because from all three vantage points, there's different politics. When you're a teacher, the politics of the union. When you're an AP, the politics of when do I make my move to become a principal and who do I have to, what bases do I need to touch? What boxes do I need to check in order to be that next person? And then finally, when you're a principal, you deal with the superintendent and it's a lot about image. It's not always about doing the right thing. So I do not miss the politics of education at all because when I would watch new programs roll out and the state switch here and do this and that, and I'm saying, oh man, what dog and pony show are we going to have to play this year? Don't miss it. The as we can talk, I was an AP for a little while. You were AP. The thing I didn't like, I didn't really, I really didn't like the discipline part of it and being the heavy. That's not in my. I could do it because coaching set that up right. I could be tough if I needed to. How did you feel about that whole situation? Discipline, I learned at an early, I guess you could say early in my experience that it's not about me disciplining the students. It's about the consequences they're getting for their actions. So basically, when I approached the situation, it was, you did this, therefore, here's what ed code says, 
and I am the deliverer of Ed Code. I'll try to be as lenient as I can, but we got to follow the Ed Code. So hopefully we can put you in a position to where you can still be a student here, but you've learned your lesson because discipline, there's two types of it. There's punishment and discipline. Discipline is to instruct, to make the person better, to make the person shine when they have to make those decisions again. But punishment, that's just lights out. And every once in a while, a kid will do something it's lights out. They have to be off the campus and they can't be there anymore because they've broken an, a major rule or ed code violation. So basically my whole thing was keeping it in the light of this isn't me delivering something to you. I didn't do this to you. Whatever you did brought you to this office and, and you're fortunate enough to have someone who cares about you in delivering whatever consequences you're going to get. So some of the students bought it, some of them didn't, but by and large, I didn't have to hide after I did discipline because I didn't pile on yeah, because I, I wanted good. the kids to know I'm, yes, I'm going to deliver the discipline today, but I'm also a student advocate. Yeah, and that's so good. I like that. I basically, I basically uh, kept that in the mindset. And then there's two types of actions for students. There's childish irresponsibility and willful defiance. So early in the game, if you're doing discipline on a middle school level, you have to determine, is this childish irresponsibility or willful defiance? Because when hormones are raging and guys are stepping up, they don't right. want to back down. A lot of times it's pride that's getting these kids into trouble because the teacher backs them into a corner and then they pop off and say an expletive. And yeah, then the right. teacher, if they want a nickel and diamond, bam, that expletive sending them down to the office. Yeah. Okay. Here's another question. Do you keep in touch with any of your previous work colleagues? Do you see them, no. talk with them? I'm real fortunate because... I basically have four guys that I wouldn't say I'm their mentor, but they crossed paths with me. They were younger than me and they were open enough to sit under my wing. One of them right now is a superintendent. The other one's a principal. The other one was a former principal, but then he decided to go back into counseling because he didn't like the politics. And wow. the last one, he's my Bitcoin advisor and he's an English teacher, but he, right now my, I'm in a lot of trouble with Bitcoin. because There you go. There you go. Get into markets. My stockbroker said to me yesterday, I was talking about, hey, should we put some money in the metals and stuff like that? And he said, you know what? We find things that we know are assets that are producing. Not something that we think that might produce or give you a number, but that are actually producing. And he's done very well with us. All right. Here's another question, because I know this is a good one for you. How about travel? Okay. Tell us a little bit about where you've gone and what you've done in your travels. Wow. Uh, before uh, retiring, my basic mode of travel was go to Carson City, Nevada three times a year to visit my parents because I'm a mama's boy. So I didn't do much traveling, to, to say the least. All my time was, they've been there for 25 years, uh, Carson City, Nevada, know it well. So interestingly enough, my daughter got a job teaching in Spain right at the time I was retiring. So because of that, I've been to Spain six times. I've been to, on a cruise, the Mexican Riviera. I think a lot of people do that cruise. It's a great six, seven day cruise. And probably the highlight is it was when I went to Thailand, spent three weeks in Thailand and that was amazing. Oh, wow. I also recently just came back from a cruise around the Italian Mediterranean where got to see Rome, Venice, Greece, Croatia, 
got to get the Game of Thrones vibe when I was in Croatia. And also coming up down the pike, and I'm not trying to, I don't know, brag or sound like I'm the brag brag go ahead I, I know I'm going down I'm gonna go on a cruise that's we're gonna meet in what's just I'm having a little bit of it's it's where Raiders of the Lost Ark where they were taking shots and oh, okay yeah yeah so Budapest. yes Budapest Budapest meeting in Budapest and then we're going down the Orient Express no the Danube rip the Danube oh Danube River Danube River all the way to Germany. So wow. be, it's a seven day cruise. And then when that ends, then I'm going to go to Belgium and then see some more sites in Europe. So okay. let's talk about some important things. Carson City. Have you been to Bodine's? Bodine's basically when I walk in, they just get the ready to sign the jackpot. <laughs> That's it. My dad used to love Bodine's. He said after they changed Bodine's and they made it look a little nicer, the food was never as good. That's number one. Number two, have you been to Barcelona? Yes. You know well, that I spent three months in Barcelona just recently. Oh, no, that's amazing. That The church, I forget what that church is called. but Yeah, the Sagrada Familia. Yeah, thank you for that one, because I don't have a cue card for that one. I know. I spent a lot of time there. People would visit us, and we would go there. If you ever go back, we'll have to talk a little bit, but... There's, we have a local bar. We call it was the cheer, our cheers. We went there every night. We came in. Hey, it was like, no. And we came in and the whole thing. So if you, next time, you, if you go to Barcelona, we got some places for you to go. All right, let's get to another question. This is a good one. What's a typical day in the life of Les Mazan, retired teacher? Typical day. This year has been an amazing year because I've been retired. This is my seventh year of retirement. And I have a side hustle gig of subbing. And I'm in a small district. There's only nine schools, two middle schools and seven elementary. Okay. And that's well, not a small district. I, Pacific Grove Unified is two elementary schools, a middle school and a high school. That's a small district. The SoCal, <laughs> if, you, if you look right, at the right. perspective, SoCal, it's right. as compared to Long Beach or, or, or LA Unified. All right, keep going. Sorry, I interrupted you. Oh, no, you didn't. So for this past year, I've been what you call a floating sub. And ever since COVID, for the last two years, sub pay has almost doubled. What, so what do you get to, for sub pay now? I'm going to do a little of that in the fall. Yes. Sub pay right now here is 215 a day. Whoa, that's some golf games there. Yeah, some golf games, some remodeling, some uh -huh. helping the kids out. My son just graduated from Cal State Fullerton. Nice. Uh, and this was his second time through, the first time through became a machinist this time through became an engineer so wow uh, yeah so can i would fix a car don't think so no uh, okay but he's he can still, fix some things and he can engineer things that's good all right keep going yeah yeah he just helped put build a prosthetic arm that they're going to be sending to venezuela to a guy who had a oh i thought maybe he built one for you like, like he did he made like you could have been remember the six million dollar man less was on will make less faster stronger we can rebuild him. <laughs> I might need to soon. So as a result of doing this, I basically repurposed myself because in doing the day-to-day -day sub, I'm a sub for subs that don't show up. Oh. So if everybody's there, I don't really have a gig. And what I do is I go out to the severely modif modified mm -hmm. handicap class and I yeah. help there. 
and it has changed my life. I'm there at least two days a week. It's great. Most of the kids I work with are unable to speak and I've had some amazing inroads. And like I said, it's changed me. Things that I never did in education, I now do and I'm blessed. Yeah. I'm blessed. I keep it on a down low that I was an administrator. I basically yeah. say I'm a retired teacher just <laughs> because it people are suspicious. Why is a principal or an administrator working as a sub? Like, did somebody call in your marker? What's the deal? Why are you here? <laughs> I just, I just do it and I love it. And I never thought I would. I never. I, I love that. I love working in modified classes. What was great about our school because we were so small is that we would take kids from the modified classes and I was a PE teacher and we would bring them into our regular PE class. They'd have an aid. And I tell people this all the time. Those were the best classes I ever taught. Those uh, the kids at our school, loved those kids, accepted them, loved them, brought them in. And those kids had more joy and more fun. And they were not all severely handicapped. There were some down syndrome kids. There was, uh, there were a lot of autistic kids, but you know what? They loved being there. They loved the athletic moving around. They might not have been able to do all the physical things, but, you know, I'll tell you, there are just a couple of kids that ended up just being some of my favorite kids I ever taught. I agree. I, like I said, I've, I never had that kind of exposure and I was a little bit fragile when I went in, but when I basically just said, Hey, I'll do what it takes. I'll clean up the mess. I'll work with the kid that spits. I'll just get yeah. into it. And then the kid, I just started breaking through and learning how to communicate with yeah. that can't talk. And yeah. once you do that, it's just, it's a, it's an unbelievable experience. Yeah, that's well done. That's a good typical day to spend some time working with people. And you got all those skills. I think, I think God puts us in different situations to do things and it gives us the skills to do them. So that's great. Here's an interesting one. If you could start a new career, not that you want to start a new career, but if you wanted to have some sort of a new outlet besides what you're doing now, what would it be? What's something pie in the sky that you'd like to do? Les Mazan would like to be an astronaut. I don't know. Whatever you'd like to do. What would that be? That question, it's easy for me because these two things since my retirement have been things like, wow, if I could do it over again, I would definitely be interested in either one of these. The first one is being a forest ranger because okay. I, I love hiking, camping, and being out in the sequoias. And so anything to be out there to help preserve the beauty, the nature for future generations. Wow. To make sure That's people great. have their fishing licenses, not to tag, ticky tag them. Oh, yeah. He's back to his AP days. He's going he's gonna to give out a little discipline. Yeah. And because I just love being out in nature. And then the other one is it's a, and I, they're both going to probably wind up being government careers with government pensions. And the other one is, is being, being a member of the Coast Guard. Really? Yeah. See, I love the water. I love the adventure. I, I don't want to be a, like a super cop. But give me a piece, man. I might need to be out there. <laughs> Les Mazan, he's going to be a ranger or a coast guard with a piece. That's yes. it, baby. I That's love it. it. Because the ocean is like my second my second love. The being anywhere around the beach, being anywhere around the water. And I think if I could have done that, done that for 20 years, get my pension set up, then maybe teach for the next 20 years or yeah. go out and be a postal post office guy. Get my, Whoa. Get my, Get my you love the in. governmental jobs. That's, That's what I love it. it. Get my steps in yeah. and then be pitching and putting it. 
I know on Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah, you got to get your pitch every day. You got a little pitch and a little putting. Okay. Here's a difficult thing about the retirement. There are things that maybe you thought in retirement are, are not exactly what you thought they might be. So what are some difficult things in retirement for you? Here's the thing. The thing about retirement that I had to learn, and maybe I'm in a better spot now than when I first started, is I had to learn to repurpose my life. And I had to learn that retirement is not an end destination. It's part of the journey. So it's just like going through a train station. What's next after retirement? And the people I've talked to that are in retirement that don't seem to be happy or seem a little miserable is because they weren't prepared and they couldn't repurpose themselves or reinvent themselves for the next adventure, whether it be traveling, whether it be having taking hobbies to the next level, whether it be doing service to the community where you don't need to get paid because, you know, you have a pension. And I think learning to repurpose yourself and then recultivate relationships that you might have let slide. Because when you're an administrator, you as an AD, whatnot, you shortchange people and sometimes your own family members. And so to re to reactivate, to recultivate relationships, friendships, and then to, and to look for those new adventures. For me, it's easy because I would advise people, what are your two favorite hobbies that you're ready to take to the next level? For right. me, my two hobbies are easy. Golf, I always walk and never ride. And so I, whether I'm having a good day or a bad day, I'm walking. Yeah. And, and the next one is the mind. You got to keep the mind active. I'm a member of the Internet Chess Club. So I'm constantly playing chess and strategy games to keep my mind sharp. And the thing that I think, again, for me, to keep you young, the subbing actually keeps me young. Because when you're working with middle schoolers, you got to be on your toes. You find out what's going on and you realize, hey, it doesn't matter how old you are. It just matters how much you care. And people that get caught up into a stereotype or locking themselves with a low ceiling retirement can be can be a big change and a big letdown for guys that are in the limelight all of a sudden they step out of the limelight and then they blow up they have a heart attack something happens because they can't take the whole idea of not being center stage not being the main focus and not doing less but doing more quality and so I really think retirement has to be something that you're prepared for. You need closure if you can get it. Some people limp to the finish line and the blood pressure's up and doctor says, you better go or else, you know, you're a time bomb and they got to limp to the finish line and get healthy so they can enjoy their retirement. I think you have to really be ready to see it as part of the journey, not the end of the journey. And a lot of people, they just, they look at it and that's the end. And then that's the ceiling. And so they hit a dead end and they get a little depressed and people saying, what's going on, man? You retire, you should be doing this. But I'm very fortunate that my daughter was in Spain because that pushed me to travel. That pushed, yeah. my ceiling yeah. went up. And once my ceiling went up, I'm working on some things behind the scenes and the sky's the limit. There's no limits to when you retire. It's the only yeah. limits you put on yourself. Yeah, our last question you answered is we're doing just some words of wisdom about retirement and what to do. And I appreciate that. I'm going to start calling you. We, it, Les's nickname is the Hornet for a right. lot of different reasons. He, he is the Hornet. I, to me, I, I in my phone right now, it says Les Mazan, the Hornet. And uh, But I might, might put Les Mazan, Hornet, Renaissance man. 
stand mind and body you got it all so i really appreciate you coming on less and being part of our every day is saturday any last words anything that you'd like to talk about as we close the episode up today yeah earlier i alluded to the fact that i was ushered out of san jose state and on academic probation and let me tell you this that after that I went on to get two undergraduate degrees, a BA in business administration and a BS in in journalism. And then went on to get a, a master's in theology as well as a master's in, in behavioral science counseling. So for me, it's always been about carpe diem, seize the day, don't limit yourself. And even when you don't get the results you get, wanna get, failure is just one try to getting to the next level. And that happens in all stages of our lives, even in retirement, because you may not get it right the first year. It yeah. may be, it may take two or three years to wake up and realize, hey, I'm in retirement and I need to enjoy myself. And I, but I also need to check what do I need to recultivate? And then what do I need to forge ahead on? Because don't place a limit on yourself because that low ceiling, I think is low lifespan. Yeah, I agree. Again, everybody out there in the Bath Network, we have to make sure that you tell your friends about this episode because I think Les is a special person. Not only is he the Hornet, and now he is a Renaissance man, but he is just someone that has had a lot of experiences and wisdom, and hopefully you can learn from that. Um, we're almost running out of time here, but I'm going to give the the ending of this is Les as I do a little funny thing about retirement. And so this week we're going to talk really quickly about single in golf. So I go out a lot as a single, just by myself. And play golf. And if you go to a nice course, they always pair you up with three other people. And the funny thing is that we, and when you're doing that, you get all sorts of people. And we've, and I've had just some incredible experiences. So I'll tell you what, I went out with a mom and a dad and a little girl and me. So that was the foursome. We played at my new place now, Desert Will, a great course. And I get a big discount because I live here in Palm Desert. We're out there, we're out there on the course. And so you would think, okay, who's going to ride together? Probably the little girl and the mom and some old guy, the old dude like me and the dad would ride together. No, no. The dad and the little girl rode together and me and the mom rode together. And she was the most hilarious person. And she was a Russian lady. And we actually, we, I had a Russian friend that we met in Spain. And so we talked about that. And the dad was coaching the little girl the whole round. And the little girl got frustrated, but the dad was a pretty good coach. And, but you could just see this was a work thing. We're gonna, you're gonna become a better golfer. And the mom was saying, "Oh, only one sport in Russia. You only get to pick one sport." So they all their eggs were in the basket. And the little girl, by the end, started playing a little bit better. She was struggling at the beginning, and you could see they just had a lot of fun together. It wasn't one of those things where the dad was overbearing and do this and hit that. The girl hit a bad shot. They said, ah, oh, just drop another ball, hit another one and tried to make it fun for her. So again, there's a lot of situations that I've been in. I've been in with a bunch of guys that were all buddies and me and you just become friends. So the great thing about golf, I think, is that you have a lot of time to talk. You have a lot of time to get to know people because it's four and a half hours of uh, hanging out together. And if you go as a single, sometimes it's a lot of fun. That's our show for this week. I hope everybody is having a great week. I know that I am just coming back from Boston. We're going to talk to some people that I met there in the following shows. But again, remember, because I ain't got no job because I don't want no job. And every day is Saturday. And that's our show for this week.